All right. Hello, hello. Once again, we're back with the Red Peace Machine. I am here with your cast of wonderful characters. Uh, let's go around and uh, give a one-word check and how are folks uh, feeling? Susie? Um, um, <laughs> <laughs> All right, Susie, that's your word. That's it. We're cutting, you, e- cutting the mic. It's, called <laughs> M-E- it's spelled M-E-H. Period. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. All right, Roy, a piece. Doing good. <laughs> good. good. <laughs> I know. Good. <laughs> and then our our dynamic duo, Roy War Panafsha. Uh, I am feeling liberated. I I had a very good sort of. Uh, Exercising uh, sources of drama from my life yesterday. Mm. Uh, it was a damn good day. So I'm feeling very light and happy right now. Congested. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good word. More ways than one or. <laughs> no, he's regular. He's regular. Yeah, he's regular. He's <laughs> regular. Roy War, would you say you're feeling as congested as Biden's upcoming pieces of legislation that he'll try to pass through? Brilliant segue. Dang. So, yeah. I mean, I think we've just seen the end of Biden's administration. It's it's basically over now because literally nothing can pass unless they do something about the filibuster. Goodbye and good night. Yeah. What was the death kneel for you? What was oh, that? Oh, oh. What was the death kneel? The, the 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 thing that said this is it. This is over. It's not going to pass. This is what we're going to see for the next uh, few years. Well, so the, the fact that we we when we say we're trying to get rid of the filibuster, that's not really true because the. Senate really already got rid of the filibuster. Um, but okay, I. But can you just describe what the filibuster is? Because I am even confused about that. Like, I thought there was no more filibuster. Now I find out there's. Yeah. Okay. So the filibuster, <laughs> the, the term is a piracy term. And basically, the idea was that the minority in one of the two houses of Congress would talk until past the moment when you were supposed to vote on a bill. And then because they talked past that moment, the the moment to vote on the bill has expired and you can't vote on the bill anymore. Mm-hmm. So it would sort of kill the bill. Uh, real early on, the United States House of Representatives mm-hmm. decided this was a bad idea and uh, passed a rule. When was this? I don't know when it was, but it was, it was in the 19th century, shortly after oh. the filibuster started. Mm-hmm. Um, they passed a rule saying that uh, each each member of the house would have five minutes. Technically, it can be any any amount of time, but usually it's five minutes to talk. And then they would make sure to schedule the vote well after four hundred and thirty five times five, right? So that there was no way you could you could talk past that moment. Um, in the Senate, that never went away. And and just for the record, in principle, I like this. Um, in, in practice, I hate it, but in principle, I like it. I like the idea that the minority party has to be consulted on legislation. Yeah. 
because otherwise you would end up with majority tyranny, right? Where for four years or well, two years, because our congressional sessions are essentially two years long, um, for two years, one party would just simply tyrannize the country. So the idea that you, you could be forced to compromise is great. Having said that, that's not what happens in practice. Um, now, it used to. So in the 1960s, the Senate decided that we were spending too much time on the filibuster. Um, so they, they came up with a compromise called cloture, and then they changed the rules for cloture in the 70s. I'm just going to tell you the rules for the 70s, because there's no point in talking about the original rule. But the, the, the rule is, since the 70s, that you have to have 60 votes for cloture. So anybody can call for cloture. <clears throat> um, cloture, a cloture This vote, is in the Senate. This is in the Senate, because the House doesn't have the filibuster anymore. Mm. A cloture vote ends the debate on a bill. So if you don't have the cloture vote, you could conceivably do an actual filibuster. If you have the cloture vote and it passes, then there's no possibility for a filibuster because the, the debate on the bill has been terminated. If it fails, what the Senate agreed was, it, we will just accept that a filibuster did take place and the bill dies. Hmm. So that's so so instead of actually having people get, get up there and take turns peeing in a diaper, uh, talking until they can't talk anymore and, and, right, and then tag team over to the next person and eating up all that Senate time where they don't get anything done anyway. What they decided to do was they would just have a vote. And if 60 senators voted yes, the filibuster died. If 59 or less vote no, uh, vote yes, then the filibuster is accepted to have happened even though it didn't actually take place. Uh-huh. But that worked in the, in the beginning. That there was really no problem with it. If you look at the number of times a filibuster has taken place from the 1830s until 2006, it was about four a year. From 2007 until 2000. Uh, until 2015, when, when the Democrats lost the Senate in that eight-year span of time, it was 80 a year. Mm-hmm. And Wasn't two that... things happened to cause that shift. What was Obama? it, Susie? Obama? Well, so, so part of it was Obama, but, but in 2007, Obama wasn't president, right? He right, didn't become right. president until 2009. Um, so part of the problem was John McCain, actually. John McCain went on a campaign to get rid of earmarks. So earmarks are where um, I have a bill, like my one of, one of the bills that he went off on was the bill that created I-69, Interstate 69. Uh, we still haven't figured out where it starts because it's gonna start on the Texas-Mexico border, but it basically ends, uh, I think it's in either Indiana, Ohio, or Michigan. So it basically connects Canada to Mexico. Um, at an angle through the middle of the United States. And uh, I think it hits, I don't remember, 12 states, 13 states, 15 states, something like that. Well, well, that would give you 30 Senate votes if it's 15 states. I'm making that number up because I don't remember how many it goes through. Well, to get something passed, you, you then need to get another 11 states on board. If you got 15, right? That, that gets you to 30, you need 52, assuming there's no filibuster, 
So how do you get those other states? But because you because there's a possibility of filibuster, you probably want to have 30 states on board that gets you your 60 senators. So what you had to do was go, New York, what do you need? Because we're not going to put I-69 through New York. So you get something. California, what do you want? Alaska, what do you want? And of course, Alaska famously asked for the bridge to nowhere that was going to connect an island off the coast of Juneau, Alaska. <clears throat> I think it was Juneau. Anyway, to, to the mainland. And basically, it was uh, $386 million to connect 50 people to the mainland. <laughs> it would have been cheaper to buy each person their own individual plane that landed in the water and hire a pilot and do the maintenance and pay for the fuel costs for the life of those 50 people than it was to build this bridge. And really, the reason they were doing it is a bunch of corrupt Alaskan politicians had bought land on that island. And once they built the bridge, they could then do a housing project on it and sell that land at a huge profit. And John McCain, Maverick, gets up and goes, earmarks are disgusting. And he led a campaign to end earmarks. Well, there is now literally no incentive on earth for any senator to ever vote for anything mm -hmm. because they can't, they can't affect and Im improve the lives of their corrupt, rich asshole friends. <laughs> So, yeah. so that's half the equation. The other half of the equation is that the Republicans decided once Obama was elected, but the idea started percolating in their heads even before then when the, when the Democrats captured the House and the Senate in 2006, that they were going to do scorched earth, that they were going to vote against every single policy that Obama put forward, even if it was a policy they absolutely loved because they were going to try to bring the United States to its knees to force the American public to vote Republican. And they were hoping to flip the presidency back in 2012 and capture both houses of Congress. And they of course <laughs> failed, but in the process they turned Obama's last six years into hell because he couldn't get any legislation passed. With all of this uh, voter, I, I'm, I know we didn't necessarily wanna get into this too much, but with all the voter suppression laws that are, that are being proposed, in Texas even, uh, but, you know, primarily, obviously, Georgia. Um, how, how is that even, um, I mean, it seems to me like the Republican Party wants fascism. I mean, it, it, it was obvious, it was kind of obvious before, but now they're saying we don't want people to vote unless they're going to vote for us. And what's the point? Why not just take over in a military coup? You know, I feel like we don't have any. They were going to go along with that. Yeah, I mean, that's what so January 6th Trump was. was trying to do that. And they were like, you know, but they are doing it. I mean, they just themselves with glee. Yeah, but they just did it in Georgia. And we've and there's still bills like crazy all over the place to try to suppress it here here in Texas. As far as I know, Abbott would love it. Well, so I don't remember what the event was, but it just happened recently. Ted Cruz was caught on audio uh, saying that the Republican Party's new agenda is voter suppression. And that's their entire goal. Their, their entire strategy yeah, yeah. is to just basically make it so that people can't vote. That's nothing new. We've been doing that since the beginning. Right. Um, one of the crazy things that I think most Americans don't realize, like, if you ask the average person, they probably don't know it's Wyoming. But if you, you know, some people do. Wyoming is the first state to give women the right to vote. But the crazy thing is, is it was actually the sixth state to give women the right to vote. There were five colonies on, mm. 
during the British imperial period that had the right, where women had the right to vote, they lost the right to vote because those colonies, once they became states, slowly began to terminate women's right to vote. And so the, right from the beginning, our goal was, how do I increase my power at the expense of everybody else? I mean, it's, it, it can't be a surprise to anybody that capitalism is our economic system because uh, it's it's our political philosophy too. I need to screw you before you screw me. It's all about domination. <clears throat> so the Democratic Party used to be the master of voter suppression. And they're the guys who created all the Jim Crow laws. They created the black only primaries, right? In 1830, oh, sorry, 1935. I wish it was 1835, 1935. Mm -hmm. um, when, when did they split? It used to be the Democratic Republicans, right? Well, the Democratic Republican Party was renamed by Andrew Jackson to punish them for their loyalty to John Quincy Adams. And uh, I, I want to say they renamed the party sometime after 1829. And so the Democratic Republican Party still exists. It's called the Democratic Party. Okay. The, the reason the Republican Party named itself the Republican Party is they their whole philosophy was we lost... Uh, Thomas Jefferson's old party, let's bring it back. It's not true. It just it got renamed. So the, the ridiculousness of it all is that our two political parties are named after the same party and both claim to be the same party. Mm. Yeah. One thing I wonder is, is when we have like a legislator or legislators across the, the, the country, right, at the state and, and the federal level that are more and more restricted in their ability to pass actual legislation or do, do anything, uh, we, we inevitably see like a, a, a rise in executive power or, or an expansion of executive powers, right? Um, it, it, am I reading that correctly? Like, is that, are those two things uh, sort of linked, linked to each other, right? If, if the Senate can't do anything, if the House can't do anything, uh, then, then the executive inevitably takes up and does more and more governance. So that's definitely been true recently. Um, so just for the record, executive orders have been around since George Washington. George Washington issued the first executive orders they're, they're, they're probably iffy constitutionally, but from the beginning, we've always realized that if the president didn't have this ability, the government wouldn't function. So mm -hmm. I, I think they're just, you know, you, you can get nitpicky on, wow, that's a legislative power. Why does the executive have it? Mm -hmm. But in reality, I think we just have to have that. Um, the, and every president had a different number of executive orders. Like it, it fluctuated wildly. Some presidents were big into it. Some presidents were reluctant to do it. I'm pretty sure every president did at least three. I think three is the fewest ever. When FDR became president, he, he really went nuts on the executive orders. And uh, I think most people recognized and recognize now that it was necessary because it was the only way to navigate through the crisis of the depression. And then yeah. world war two comes along. And so he's got these two crises that he's managing at the same time. But what that did was it, it really opened up the idea that the president had a lot of legislative leeway. Um, having said that, even throughout the cold war period with all the partisanship that we had, Congress sort of understood whether it was the Democratic Congress and a Republican president or a Republican, there weren't very many Republican Congresses during the Cold War period. In fact, there were none because the during the Cold War period, the Democrats owned the House. Um, but, but the Senate would occasionally flip Republican. And the understanding was that um, it's that guy's the president. This is the law he wants. Let's pass it 
but let's get something for it. And we'll mm. make him compromise with us. And, and right up until Reagan. Yeah, but this is still when there's a positive, this is, this is still when the party, the opposing party, this, this party still has a positive view of government and what government can do, right? They're still thinking about the federal government as something that, that has and should engage in actions. Absolutely. at the governmental level which i think is different from today right today there 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 there's a, you know just a, a radical limiting of any kind of government intervention at the federal level and that that's reagan so what happened was reagan comes along and he says we need to break the federal government we need to knock it down a notch and the reason we need to do this is because we need to get people off of welfare we want to we want to get people off of dependency on the government because it's hampering capitalism mm-hmm. and we need to break the unions and he had this agenda and, and, and lower taxes for the rich so the rich can get richer and raise taxes on the middle class. That was his agenda. And part of that was to create an ideology of distrust. The federal government mm-hmm. is your enemy. We need to break the federal government. How can we do this? We can do it by cutting taxes and we'll, we'll just deprive it of money. And so there's a whole now political philosophy in the United States where, you know, 40 something percent of Americans believe the government is the enemy. <laughs> which is hilarious in a democracy. You know, Mm -hmm. like if we were an authoritarian state, that makes sense. But in a democracy, that means that the people are the enemy. Which it kind of, um, I think there are a lot of people who don't want to get this vaccine. And I think it's because they don't trust the government. I mean, that's what the majority of them I hear talking about. I've heard one woman say, oh, I've never put anything in my body before. And I'm like, I don't know how you make it without eating, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, um, so I think that the um, distrust of the government is only going to get deeper. Q may be gone at this point because he's screwed up so many premonitions Mm -hmm. you know um she i think it's a he but um oh i I think it evolves though right uh that q stuff evolves as oh i'm sure it does well you know it's like oh well actually this is happening and the world ends in 14 days (laughs) i mean 21 (laughs) (laughs) Uh uh-huh just like every religion yeah yeah uh okay so i'm sorry i just wanted to to throw that in that we just still have this horrible uh, yeah this mistrust and distrust of of the government it's horrible we have no leadership right now yeah and susie you say that this is this is a distrust of the government uh and and roy you're saying that this distrust of the government and a democracy is a distrust of the people yeah so you know what what way to articulate the people than to suppress their vote right I'm sorry. I just I just wanted to add something that just to add to what Susie was uh, the insight that Susie brought. I just want to say, um, I mean, <clears throat> just talking about the virus, something came up for me. I mean, some folks in this country have real good reason to have distrust of the government. I'll I'll just, maybe Roy can go more into this, but there was such a thing as the Tuskegee, there was such a thing as the Tuskegee experiment. That was a thing. Wormwood, Um, wormwood. All of it, right? Yeah. Um, So, (laughs) yeah, I... Mm, there is a there is a distinction between the people and 
capitalism and the the stewards of capitalism. So, yeah, there. I just wanted to, yeah, yeah. So, so I, there is a huge reason to distrust the state. Um, n- not just the examples you get, but just think of prohibition, where right they're they're making illegal alcohol, and the federal government is literally poisoning the alcohol to prevent its use mm-hmm. as a drink. And the next thing you know, the, the mob, the Italian mafia is hiring chemists to counter the poison. And so there's there's a war between the federal government trying to poison the public and the and an illegal organization trying to save the public's life. I mean, and you can go on and on and on and on. What happens, though, is instead of Americans educating themselves on what the federal government has really done that is wrong, like overthrowing governments overseas, uh, experimenting on black people, uh, slavery, genocide of the Native Americans, the brutalization mm-hmm. of Asian Americans and, and the Hispanic population. Instead of focusing on what really happened, we, we go down these crazy rabbit holes of conspiracy theories and believe that there's an Illuminati, a group of crazy Bavarians who are secularists from the, what is the 1700s who are somehow uh, 400 years later controlling us. <laughs> you know, like... Yeah. It's just there's such QAnon and and the Illuminati are such outrageous, outlandish, nonsensical things that it turns out that the whole Illuminati um, conspiracy was created on purpose by a guy trying to show people that these types of conspiracy theories were nonsensical. Yeah. And it was only not that long ago. (laughs) Everybody thinks Illuminati has been around since, you know, Christ died and they had to protect their, they had to protect true identity. Come on, man. But the the belief in, in these kinds of conspiracy, in these kinds of conspiracy theories is reflective of like, right. There's like a folk or a people understanding that something is up here. There's a history here that we're not aware of. Something is up here. There, there's, uh, right, it, uh, right. Like I can, I can point to, 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 you know, real life conspiracy. The, the, the Contra affair, all of this stuff, or, or all the things the FBRCA have, have done, the fourth, the sterilization agreements, all of this stuff. Um, so there, there is the feeling that these things exist and are out there, but then there's a misdiagnosis of which, uh, which are those things and how do they actually work. Exactly. And I think part of that is people's attachment to certain things. For example, oh, I really want to believe capitalism is a good thing. Mm -hmm. Okay, but I have all this evidence that it's not. How do I make this make sense in my head? And so you end up twisting this illogic knot around your brain until you cut off the blood supply. (laughs) And um, and then, of course, you could do this with with religion, too. Like, I really want to believe my nonsensical set of myths. But in you know in contrast to the what's really happening clearly they don't jive so i need to find somebody else to scapegoat to make them the villains in the story mm-hmm. and i and i think that's what happens <clears throat> the tragedy is is that there's real serious political consequences yeah. uh, you know our infrastructure is falling apart we've done nothing for the environment um the, the, the global system is falling apart. The United States isn't producing anything. The United States is finished if we don't do something to change the way we do our economic system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. We're definitely um, and will Georgia up. be consulting voters on, on those changes to our economic right. system? And so what does the Republican Party do? It decides to dedicate itself to suppressing votes. That's, that's mm-hmm. its new agenda. Not, not defeating abortion, <laughs> not killing Muslims, but trying to wipe out brown and black votes. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. 
but that's that's deliberate it made the most sense for them right they they have decades worth at this point of of reports that would say hey there's a demographic shift going on y'all either need to appeal to minorities or or the party is is done for within the current state of, of of affairs and they said okay let's change the current state of affairs and let's make sure these folks can't vote in order to continue to exist um yeah and so that <sighs> that i mean it's <laughs> how do we counter that i guess is the question if these folks are shutting polls down and making people drive you know two hours to vote but not on sundays because what i loved about this is they had to preserve the sabbath which is not sunday so I don't understand um, what our, and I feel like I say I don't understand a lot, but what I don't, what do we do to counter this? How do we, uh, I mean, the strolls to the polls are, are being ended because they're not going to vote on Sundays. They're, they're limiting our, our early voting. They are um, making it so you have to like fix forms of ID. How, yeah, I saw how that it included. This? I saw it also included. You can't uh, give food and water to people. Yeah. 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 Like what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So what is this? You know, I I think it's already being done. I think the, 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 in the last few years, certainly since Obama, but um, definitely because of the movement for black lives there is a real sort of linking that's happening between white supremacy and the republican party and it's being revisited rebroadcast over and over and over again the linkage and it's becoming more and more solid in the imagination of the american people yeah that you cannot separate one from the other. And this is really hurting them. And when we just had the conversation about when Ramesh, you just brought up that, you know, they they literally tried to appeal to people of Blacks and people of color and they just couldn't because there's no way. Nobody's being fooled anymore. So of course the next move mm-hmm. is to suppress. What the yeah, hell is, do you is have this to lose? Work, you, you said that this is harming them, though. I, I don't remember the phrase that you used, but you said that this isn't working for them. Is this not working for them, or are they being punished at the polls or in any capacity from this strategy or from this link to, to, to more and more explicit link to white supremacy? I, I, I think the way that the culture is shifting and moving towards making the connection between the Republican Party and white supremacy it is just a matter of time before it crumbles. There, I, I'm, yeah, I'm so worried that no it won't way. crumble. This is not sustainable. <laughs> it is not sustainable because uh, the public is moving. I mean, just the very polarization of, of white supremacists mm-hmm. proudly wearing badges now versus mm-hmm. everyone else. I mean, this is all sort of signs of the last breath, the crumbling. I just don't see any other, right? It's either civil war or sort of the vestige has to fall off. So um, I think this is already happening. Uh, I I just don't see how the, and we all sort of see it. And I feel like every time we talk or I hear anything, or I even listen to the news, it's like there's this untold 
presumption that ah, these yeah. these assholes are white supremacists and it's it's just a matter of time but it depends I, on yeah. who you're listening like... to and what radio mm-hmm. station you're listening to i mean because i mean the non-white supremacists <laughs> it's yeah it's easy to get in an echo chamber right uh but but nobody wants to go listen to these people because we basically know their message but I'm how- talking about ABC, NBC, CBS. I'm talking about mm. not even NPR. I'm talking about we just recently got a television and now we can watch like the news. And I would counter that all three of those have fairly liberal leaning uh, news coverage. Um, I, I just yeah. having. Yeah, I, I, of course I, they do. Yeah. So I guess I guess. Um, <laughs> liberal, not progressive. It's okay. Right. We're it's gonna okay. be okay. I just said we're <laughs> liberal. It's all right. I will say right. <laughs> well, I say they're all right leaning. Oh but yeah, but because... liberal is right wing. Right. It's centr- It's yeah. become very centrist. Yeah. No, it's but... it's centrist. <laughs> it is. It, I, it, I agree. It's yeah, I become agree. I do say, though, the, the voice of reason. The reason why I'm bringing the those uh, news stations up is because they in. And I might be wrong, but in my eyes, they seem to reflect where culture is and going. Mm. Right? At least oh. where it is, let's say, where culture is. Um, I think it's from an identity perspective only, though. It's from a, a yeah. and, and there's nothing wrong with identity, but it's, it's all like, oh, this person's black. You can't say nothing against this person, even though the person might be doing something wrong. Of course, totally wrong. none of it is deep. Uh, that that yeah, would be the worst. Yeah. <laughs> we agree with that. Yes. Okay. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Uh, so liberals kind of go with the flow. Liberals yeah. go with where the wind is blowing. Not, yeah. There isn't much reflect. You know, there's not okay. deep reflection. None of that, obviously. But so yeah, that's kind of okay. yeah. Okay, I wanted to make the distinction. To me, reflect reflect the where the culture, where the sort of the compass in the culture stands. And yeah, I think you're seeing this situation and you're saying that there, there are these tensions here and these tensions uh, are, are escalating and this polarization is escalating and it's becoming more and more apparent to you, even in this, this popular media sense. Um, but you're saying that that, 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 that that should mean that, that we are leading to a place where this, 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 this clash has to play out in some kind of explicit way or some kind of resolution has to happen. What I think is that this, this tension is sustainable. I think that this sort of state of slow decay and slow increasing polarization will will sustain itself and could go on for for, for decades um right because black folks are gonna no i don't think black folks are gonna let that happen i think there is such momentum there is such Mm. awareness um i don't if it weren't for black folks i would say you're right but no do you remember do you remember the the push for the era and how how all ramped up all the women were and let's we're going to make this happen and they marched on washington and i'm not talking about not long ago i'm talking about in the 70s right and so um but guess what era didn't pass twice we just gave up and we said oh we've done enough people get it they get it but we're still making 75 cents on the dollar Uh, i blame texas for that by the way and I think backlash is a real thing. And I think that the pendulum can swing very, 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 very far one way. But having that, you know, trajectory, it's going to come back. And I feel like this backlash that we suffered with Trump 
was this pendulum going all the way the other way. So it is swinging back our way. I think, Benefsha, like you're saying that, you know, maybe, maybe this time it'll get to the point where we can hold on to that, that cloche. But I, I just don't know that clapper. Let me introduce one more thing into this, which is that white people don't make babies. The fact that Mm. there's no white Ah. immigration to the United States from Europe and white people in the United States just aren't making babies makes it so that at some point we're going to reach a demographic point where white supremacy won't matter because whites will just be a minority like everybody else. I I worry that it'll expand though, right? So like the fact that, 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 you know, Malala Yousafzai Elementary is here, that, that Fort Bend district is a big South Asian and Asian American district consistently they're they're okay with and they vote for uh figures on the right for the republican party the republican party for that county or whatever has appointees for for you know to to, to talk to and communicate and liaise with the Desi population the muslim population the asian american population and you know these are people who are happy to, to to be fully texan in their projected sense of what texan is which is to go out and buy guns and vote republican and act and behave in a certain kind of uh, to, to, to want, you know, to, to uh, have the same rhetoric around like welfare and immigration and all of these things. We are the good immigrants. We immigrated in the right way. Look, we were educated and we proved ourselves and we got to immigrate. Why should these people coming over the border be allowed here? We need stricter immigration. It's all of this stuff. And so I worry that, you know, even if there's a demographic change, then, then the category of whiteness may just flex and expand and look like something a little bit different 40, 50 years from now. The same way that it has done, right? So like the percentage of people who are Anglo and Anglo descended is something that we aren't even uh, at least uh, aware of or conscious of as that being a separate category from whiteness. Uh, Irish Americans got to be lumped up in there. Italian Americans got to be lumped up in there. Um, all of that. Yeah, I I um, I hear you, Ramesh. The the worry that um, brown folks um, are can get confused, more confused, and are confused is real which is why you and I um, are part of the Interconnecting Arabs, Muslims, and Middle Easterners, and why uh, the the core of what we do is just anti-racism among, among uh, brown folks. Um, I, I get all that, um, but, you know, I just, I, 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 uh, I, I really don't think that, um, I mean, this might not go anywhere. Yes, it might just crumble. It might, we might, you know, all of that. But, uh, uh, but we can't, we can't even assume yeah. that that is going to happen um, because what good would that do? So we just have to assume that uh, we'll do the work and it, mm. and it won't. And uh, everybody just has to do their part and uh, work within their own communities, white folks with white folks, brown folks with brown folks. Um it's also worth pointing out that three quarters of Asian Americans vote Democrat, uh, whereas two thirds of uh, Latinx Americans vote Democrat. In other words, Asian Americans are more solidly mm-hmm. Democrats than even the Latinx population, which I which I find really fascinating because it's the same for Muslims too. Two thirds vote, yeah. And do you across. think that's a bore? Okay, so Muslim, I'm I'm wondering if that's mostly the Latin, the Latino. Um, experiences on on their their experiences on the border um or is it is it all over america because i know a lot of texans 
who are uh, Mexican, either they've become Americans or they were born here, but they've got Mexican uh, uh, in their blood or people who've just literally come over here, like you said, did it the right way, right, whatever, um, who really, really dislike Mexicans coming across the border without having it done right. I mean, that's called internalized racism. It's called self-hate. It's called wanting to be white because it's safer. It's, it's all those things. Um, I I think now it even says on your doctor's intake on some of mine. Anyway, it says white slash Hispanic. I'll tell you something. Roy and I just took a spring break trip to New Mexico and um, we were talking, we went into an uh, art gallery, met this white dude, older white dude. I don't know. He was like 70, 80, really s- sweet man, had a good conversation with him. Extremely racist. And one of the things he kept. <laughs> one sweet of the racist. things. Huh? He was a I mean, sweet racist. White dude. I mean, it's yeah. just the way it is. Oh, yeah. So. But it didn't keep us from having a good conversation from with him. Like, um, what are you going to do? I'm not, you know, just jump down everybody's throat. That's not an option. Um, <laughs> just, I personally don't want to go through life like that. Anyway, so uh, having a conversation with this dude and he keeps and I didn't know this. He keeps talking about how uh, the and I don't remember what word he was using the the Spaniards here, the Spaniards, the Spanish here, the Spanish here. Like, finally, I I think I asked afterwards, I was like, if I open my mouth now, it's going to go south. So when we came out, I turned to Roy and I said, can you explain this to me? Was it just, is there something behind this? And Roy goes, yes, like, like, uh, people with Mexican Mexican heritage who live here call themselves Spaniards. And I'm thinking, oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> holy shit. Yeah, it's called I mean, so, New Spain. Mm-hmm. So northern New Mexico, <laughs> if you look at the Census Bureau data, northern New Mexico uh, has this huge Spanish population. And by the way, part of southern Colorado as well. And But if you look at southern New Mexico, it says Mexican. And it's right. because when you mm. fill out the census data, you, you write what you want to write for your nation, right? Race is one of the five nonsensical categories, white, black, uh, Latinx, well, Hispanic is what it says, and then Asian Pacific Islander and then Native American. Those are the five imaginary races. Um, I think they should. Well, they're imaginary, but they actually have. Right, but I mean, they, they're, they're excluding orcs and elves, and they don't have goblins no, no, on there. No, no. In this country, I mean, I just think it's bullshit. In this country, they actually they have actual consequences. Yes, they, they are do. made yeah, up. Yeah, they yeah, are constructed. You could literally be shot to death. Yes. Yes. But these are their actual consequences for that identity. But when it comes to nation, you write whatever you want. So you could write Martian, for example. The census, the, the census bureau will write whatever you wrote down. And so the, the reason why Northern New Mexico has this is internalized racism. They really just hate the idea that they're they're Mexican. But the really crazy thing is, is they should not under any circumstance do 23andMe, because if they did, they would find out they are overwhelmingly Native American. They look Native American. Mm-hmm. They have Native American culture traits. And 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 what's a Mexican? It's a it's a Native American who was conquered. Yeah. 
by the Spaniards. So this it's, concept it's, of the border of the border crossing them hasn't yeah. even I don't even think they've heard it or they register it. It's like this is your land. This is yours. The board like it's a stolen land, basically. They need to take a note from yes. Oklahoma, right? Take a note from Oklahoma. Yes. Look what Oklahoma's yes. doing. <laughs> yes. Go to Oklahoma. See what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. yes. Speaking speaking about the 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 border, we recently had a, a familiar friend of the podcast, a friend of RPM, visit the border and give us a little bit of a tour of what he saw. Do we yeah. want to check out that clip? Are we going to show? Oh, I'd love to. Does anyone still have it pulled up? I just caught on to what y'all were talking about. Wait a minute. What friend are we talking about? I'll get it. (laughs) You're getting it? Okay. (laughs) Oh, what was his name? Yeah. (laughs) So it's past midnight. Oh, yeah. He's an old familiar. It's right behind me. Water is right down the Texas border, along with 18 senators. We made the trip to see the crisis that is playing out. We've already gone to detention facilities that are overrun. Many of them with families, small children. We saw multiple mothers who were nursing infant babies who had just crossed over and were being housed in 